Hello, this is Pastor Brandon Fender, and I'd like to welcome you to another transforming message from right here at Living Way Church. I believe that your life will be impacted by the words you hear today. For more faith-based content, check us out on all social media outlets. Now let's go live into the message. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says this. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you don't have to do that anymore. For if you live by the flesh dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Not if, not might, not could be. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Somebody say, I'm Spirit-fed and I'm Spirit-led. Now, you may be seated and put me on the clock. 8.15 is coming. While you're taking your seat, just a reminder, you can go and get a free bag of food and groceries and supplies. Uh, this past Sunday, they gave, gave out over 60 to our Living Way family. Some of those are being delivered here in town. And so right after tonight's service, it's not too late. If you have uh, need of assistance or you're living in maybe an apartment complex or down the street from somebody you know who needs help, our food bank is ready to help them. Somebody say, keep your hopes up. Last session, we left off talking about what does a spirit-filled life look like? What does a spirit-filled life produce? We're going to jump right back into that. Go to verse 26 of Romans chapter 8, talking about a spirit-filled life, more than a Sunday experience, more than a Wednesday experience, more than speaking in tongues, more than receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and being baptized in that spirit like the New, New Testament believers were in Acts chapter 2. When we talk about the spirit-filled life, y'all, I went into the belly of the beast this morning. I went into H-E-B on Thanksgiving Eve. People were mad and sad, and I guess because I'm spirit-fed and spirit-led, I was in and out in 15 minutes. There was one person in front of me in the checkout line, and I was just, I was grinning and smiling and nice as I could be to everybody while they were fighting for yams and fighting for marshmallows to put on those yams fighting for the, the runt turkeys they had left, those little eight and nine pounders. But we need spirit, the, the spirit in our lives at all, all, all times. You know what it's like to walk into a hospital. You know what it's like to walk into a set of circumstances where everybody's faith is gone. Everybody is concentrate, concentrating or concentrated on the worst possible outcome. What if scenarios begin to take hold? What if this happens and what if this happens? What ifs aren't bad, but your what ifs should, should turn to faith. What if they got out of the bed? Praise God. What if God changed that situation? What if that prodigal came home tonight? What if tomorrow they don't just come back to your house, they come back to the Father's house? Praise God. And so living a spirit-filled life, it changes the way we talk, it changes the way we walk, it changes the way we view situations and that is what Paul is reminding a church that is surrounded by a Roman godless culture. And so when he writes to the New Testament church in Rome, he begins to describe to them in chapter 8 what a spirit-filled life looks like. Verse 26, and the Holy Spirit, this is where we left off last week to catch everyone up, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit doesn't see weakness and go the other way? But the Holy Spirit does its best work in our weakness. 
For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. We used to sing a song, when you don't have the words to say, say the name of Jesus. So sometimes we do run out of words. Sometimes we are overcome with life so much we don't even know what to pray. In those moments, just begin to call on the name of Jesus. But understand this, that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, when you don't know what to say, and you don't know what to pray. There is a spirit that resides in you and in me that knows exactly how to pray and what to pray. So the spirit-filled life tells us in verse 26 that it helps us when we are weak. The spirit-filled life helps us to pray for the right things. Last, last session, I'll go through it real quickly, that your prayer should consist of a few things. Number one, it should consist of praise. Thanking God for what he has done. Tomorrow, our nation will pause. Even the atheist is not complaining about having, his, having a time off of his job tomorrow. Even an atheist will pause tomorrow. He might not pray, might not bow his head, but he's still taking advantage of a day that all of us are thanking God for what he has done in our lives. Your prayer should also consist of worship. Worship is declaring who God is. Not thanking him for what he's done, but worshiping and thanking him for who he is in our life. Your prayer has petitions. We are really good at that. Our prayer life sometimes mimics the Santa Claus list. God, I need you to do this, 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 and this. God, I want you to do this, 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 and this. But realize that petitions are a small part of your prayer because praise and worship take up a big chunk of your prayer. And then if you're praying the right way, we also pray not only petitions, we pray the word of God. We declare what God has said and what God has promised. We remind God, I know what you said in your word, and as a child of God, I believe that you're going to do this. All of the above are done in the language that we have learned in English and Spanish, or maybe another language you learned in high school. However, as a spirit-filled believer church, Every prayer we pray should contain a time where we pray in the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit takes over and begins to pray for situations we don't know about, pray for things and events in our future that we have no clue are on the way, or perhaps praying about a situation we're going through when we don't know what to do. Verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts, it, he knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will, the spirit-filled life not only helps you when you're weak, not only tells you how to pray and what to pray, the spirit-filled life helps us to live in harmony with God's own will. At the end of the day, church, you have a lot of decisions. We have a lot of decisions that we can make every day and that we make every day. But at the end of the day, when you lay your head down on the pillow tonight, your greatest uh, your greatest success today is that you lived a life that is in harmony with God's word and God's will for you. That we did not do anything that disrupted God's will for our life. That we did not say anything that would undo God's word established and spoken into our life. There's a lot of things on my prayer list that I want God to do, but the number one thing I want the Spirit to do is help me live in harmony with who God is and what he said. First Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. You and I don't have the time. We don't have the energy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year, every year for the rest of our lives to pray without ceasing. But I am here to tell you, number one, you pray more than you think you do. 
Because prayer is not just on your knees next to your bed. You can pray at the stoplight. You can pray in the elevator. You can pray in the break room. You can pray under your breath while you're sitting in your cubicle. But the Holy Spirit prays literally without ceasing. We're going to get to it at the end of the message tonight, that a powerful revelation that I got even this morning while I was going through some of this. One of the many great things about the Holy Spirit church is, is the Holy Spirit takes no days off. It's always working. That was a good place to say amen. It's always working even when you aren't. It is always moving even when I'm not. It is always speaking even when it doesn't seem like it. And I love what, Tam, what Sister Tammy said. When you can't track God, you can trust God. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 14, 13. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what should I do? Verse 15, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with words. I understand. I will sing in the spirit. I will sing in words that I understand. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. This is not a brag on him. This is not a brag on what he's doing. He is bragging on a God that sends his spirit to make intercession for us so that when we are too weak, when we are crying, when the rug has been jerked out from under our feet, we've got a spirit that is praying for us inside of us and building us up. The Holy Spirit and speaking in another tongue go hand in hand. Paul in 1 Corinthians said, I want to encourage you not to speak in tongues just to do it, but allow God's spirit to flow out of your mouth and declare God's word and God's will. Understand this, a spirit-filled life means that you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God that many times when you don't know what to say or listen to this, sometimes the Holy Ghost tells you to hush. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, I can't trust your flesh to speak, so I'm going to speak for you and realize when the Holy Spirit speaks and prays for us and from us, it is creating worlds. It's creating miracles. It's creating the things that we prayed for in English and in Spanish. Verse 28 is what we love to quote. And we know that God causes everything to work together for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And we know that God causes, come on, all things, somebody say all things, to work together for the good. One thing I need to remind you is, is it says all things work together for the good. It doesn't say that all things are good. It says that all things after God gets through mixing those ingredients together, it is going to work for your good, even if it's not good. That's why a spirit-filled believer never looks at the circumstances that are staring them in the face and they say, I know what I see, but I know what God said and what God said trumps what I see. And that thing, once he gets through working, working it around, is going to work in my favor. Not all things are good. All things will work for the good. Cancer is not good, but there's a good ending to that story. 
Divorce is not good. There's a good ending to that story. Being broke is not good. Having no money is not good. Having lack is not good. But God is going to make that thing work together for your good. You say, how can God take that? I'm not here to tell you how he does it. I'm just here to remind you that he is a God of the promise. And what he said, he will do. That's why we have to just shut our mouths sometimes and let the spirit do the talking. And we know that God causes everything, all things to work together for good. Everything, all things work together for good. For who? For those that love God. How many of you love God? Just make some noise in the room tonight. How many of you have ever heard someone say they love God, but you, you can't really trust that love? Come on now. This is the, this is the litmus test for loving God. This is not my opinion. This is not personal philosophy. This is straight from Jesus' mouth. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. One translation says, if you love me, Jesus saying this, if you love me, you will do what I say. You cannot say you love God unless you are actively walking out his word and precepts. If you love me, you will do. So he said, all things are not good, but I'll work all things for good for the ones that are, let, let's change it now, for the ones that are doing my commandments. Say, well, pastor, I'm waiting for it to turn good. God's waiting for you to stand on his word. Well, I'm waiting for this turnaround. You guys are always preaching about God's, God, God's waiting on your praise. God's waiting on your worship. God's waiting on your faith. God's waiting on you to do your end of the bargain. He brings the miracle. You bring the faith. It says, not only do you have to love me for me to turn things that are not good for your good. He said, it's for those that are called according to your purpose. Purpose people, purpose people, not church people, purpose people, not I run a camera and serve on a team, purpose people, not I gave this much money on Sunday, purpose people, because you're talking about things that you can do, and that's the first thing, but he said the second thing that you have to do is you have to be a person of purpose, and I love this, God's purpose is not to make you rich. God's purpose is not to make you whole. God's purpose is not to heal you. All of those are benefits of serving and loving God, but God's purpose is bigger than me and you. God's purpose includes other people. God's purpose includes our city. God's purpose includes your job. God's purpose includes the family that you are having to pray about before you sit down at the table tomorrow morning or afternoon with. He said, it's not good but I'll turn it to good for those that love me or for those that do what I say and for purpose people. We've got 37, 30, yeah, 37 days, 38 days left in this year. I want to challenge you this year to prepare yourself for purpose. Prepare yourself for purpose. This, this is the time of year where God begins to deal with me about the future of the church. God begins to deal with me about the future of my family, of, of what, what all the things that we're doing. And very selfishly, a lot of times, Miss Judy, I write down my goals. But God is leading me this year not to write my goals for my life, but to write his goals for my life. Now we're talking about purpose. 
Now we're talking about something that I have to lean on him every day to make sure that his purpose is not only established in my life, but fulfilled in my life. He said, it's not good, but I'll turn it for your good if you do what I say and you become a person of purpose. How does that happen, church? By being spirit-filled. More than running through the altar, spirit-filled is loving God, doing his word, and being a person of purpose. Somebody say amen. amen. Verse 29, I love this. For God knew his people in advance. God's known you longer than you've known you. God knows me better than I know me. He knew us in advance, verse 29, and he chose them to become like his son. That's a powerful statement. Knew us from the beginning of time and chose us to be like Jesus so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I had never read it like this until this morning. Verse 28 says what we know. Verse 29 tells us what God knows. Don't, don't you buy into the enemy's lie that God has forgotten about you. God knows exactly where you are on November, in November of 23. God knows exactly what you are facing today. And if you are filled with his spirit, everything is going to be all right. If you're standing on his word, everything is going to be all right. If you keep your focus on Jesus, everything is going to be all right. If God knew you in advance, like his word says right here, he knows what you need in this moment. He knows where you need to be in this moment. Therefore, the Holy Spirit prays for us and continually leads us and guides us to what we need and where we need to be. The Holy Spirit many times is not praying for your now, it is praying for your next. There is so many times in our personal prayer time church that we are praying about the pain we are going through now. We are praying through what, what our marriage is facing now. But one of the greatest things about the Holy Spirit, it's not only praying for your now, it has reached into your December, it has reached into your 2024, it has reached into your unborn children, it has reached into your future if he knew us in advance he knows what we need right now somebody say now God chose us to become like Jesus God said I want you to be just like my son he is your elder brother you will be his brothers and your sisters that's what verse 29 says I want to remind you that you are a work in progress but I also want to remind you about the process you are working in and through the process you are better than you used to be stronger than you used to be and don't let the enemy remind you well you haven't become this you might not have become that yet but thank God I'm not what I used to be praise God I am more like Jesus today than I have ever been I talk more like Jesus today than I've ever talked verse 30 this is powerful and having chosen them he called them to come to him having called them he gave them the right standing with himself and in having given them right standing he gave them his glory four things in the process and where God wants you to progress is this. Number one, realize that you are chosen. And I've got news for you. God doesn't choose losers. God doesn't choose nobodies. 
God doesn't choose. God doesn't choose like the rest of the world chooses. If he chooses you, that means there is greatness inside of you. And it is Living Way's job and the Holy Spirit's job to pull what God has placed on the inside of you out of you. We don't want you to die with that potential. We don't want you to die with that gift. We don't want you to die with that talent. He said, I chose you. And then I called you and then I made you righteous and then I gave you my glory. Here's the thing, church. You have to realize you are chosen. Then you have to answer the call. Once you have answered the call, he gives you his righteousness and then he gives you and we share in his glory. I've got a couple minutes left here. Romans 8, 31. Romans 8, 31 through 35, ask five questions. And then it promptly answers every one of the questions. With context, we will now jump into these verses after reading the first 30 verses, knowing that Paul is making the assumption now that believers who read this are spirit-filled. Next time you hear somebody or you see somebody post Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. The question you have to ask yourself is, are they a spirit-filled believer? Because the assumption that Paul makes after the first 30 verses of Romans chapter 8 is that they are all filled with the Spirit. So when we quote something like verse 28 in context, we cannot quote that unless we've been filled with his spirit. I knew it would get quiet right there because now I'm challenging you. If you're not filled with the spirit, you better get filled with the spirit. I'm not telling you not to quote the scripture. I'm telling you to get filled with the script, the Holy Ghost so that when you quote the scripture, it means something. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If you're not filled with the Spirit, don't quote the Scripture. The contingency is that I am filled with the Spirit. So when I say nothing out there can stand against me, it's not me, it's the Spirit I shouldn't do this. Is a new microphone. I shouldn't do that. I'm sorry, Tyler, Rudy. I'm sorry. It's not not me. I, I, I'm, I'm just a, 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 a. I was gonna say old. I'm just a middle aged white man. I got my problems. I'm still flesh. The enemy's not scared of my flesh. The enemy's scared of the Jesus that's on the inside of me, the Jesus that I've declared my allegiance to, the Jesus that I follow, the Jesus that I'm being discipled by, and the spirit that I carry. So when I say that no person, no thing can stand against me, what I'm really saying, not me, but the spirit I carry, means that anything that comes against me is going to fall to my left, is going to fall to my right, and it shall not stand. And if you are a spirit-filled believer, if you are walking that spirit-filled life, I've got news for the enemy. Try as you may, but we are not backing up. We are not falling down. We are not going back the way we used to.